There's a saying you may have heard before, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And there is some truth in that statement. I say some truth because if you don't start well, you may not have the opportunity to finish. Uh, Jill and I really loved watching the Summer Olympics, but the most painful part of watching the Olympics was to see an athlete who spent years training to compete for this one opportunity get disqualified due to a false start. Andre de Grasse of Canada won the men's 100 meters, but only after watching two competitors false start before he could win his initial heat. And then another competitor committed a false start in his semifinal. Britain's Zarnell Hughes was disqualified for a false start in the men's 100-meter final. And to make matters worse, when a runner committed a false start, an official would walk over, stand right in front of them, hold up a large colored card for all the world to see, and then walk them off the track and out of sight. Oh, and the poor crestfallen runners looked like they were being banished to prison or worse. All their Olympic dreams up in smoke without even getting the chance to run. It was awful to see. Our hearts just ached for them. On the other hand, a more positive example of it's not how you start, it's how you finish happened right here in Brewster on Wednesday. The Brewster Whitecaps were playing the Bourne Braves for the Cape Cod Baseball League Championship with the Whitecaps just one win away from the title. And the first five batters of the game for Bourne all scored before Brewster recorded an out. Before some people were even there to watch the game, the Whitecaps were already down 5 nothing. Kind of took the wind out of uh, some of us for a bit there. But it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And the Whitecaps got two runs in the bottom of the first to answer, and then a run in the third, a run in the fourth, two more in the fifth to take the lead, and then four runs in the bottom of the seventh to put the game away. And they were resilient, they never quit, and they finished well. If you want to finish well in any endeavor, it helps to start well, but it's not always essential. To finish well requires giving your best wholehearted effort without being discouraged or without being defeated by the size of the challenge or the adversity that you face. Two weeks ago, I preached on embracing uncertainty and how do you cope when you find yourself sometimes very suddenly in the wilderness of life? And that message seemed to resonate with many of you who communicated with me that you're in the wilderness right now and for some of our families, they're in the midst of the most challenging period of their life. And for all of us, an important question is, how do I finish well? Finishing well requires commitment, it requires courage, it requires faith for the long haul, a half hearted effort isn't going to get the job done. When I stand up here and I officiate at a wedding, the vows that I suggest to the couple include the phrase, with my whole heart and with my complete devotion, 
I pledge my love to you. How would it sound if you said to your future spouse, half-heartedly and with sporadic devotion, when I feel like it, I'll love you if it's easy and convenient? Just doesn't have quite the same ring to it, does it? Well, today I want to share with you about an inspiring biblical character named Caleb. And Caleb was someone who embraced life wholeheartedly, who was devoted, courageous, and finished well. Two weeks ago, we read Numbers 14, 1 to 11, which included Joshua and Caleb imploring the people of God to believe that they could successfully conquer their foes. You heard another version of that story earlier from Joe and Sharon from Numbers chapter 13. And we get another part of Caleb's story in Joshua chapter 14 in verses 7 through 14, which takes place 45 years after the events in Numbers 13 and 14. And Caleb is speaking. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him an honest report. But my companions who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and for your children forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. And now, as you see, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel was journeying through the wilderness. And here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was on the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war, for going and coming so now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. So Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Caleb is one of my favorite biblical characters. Uh, I just admire him greatly, and we learn about him in this story of the Israelites spying out the land in Numbers 13 and 14 and Joshua chapter 14. There were 12 spies who went on that reconnaissance mission. Caleb and Joshua brought back an honest, favorable report. The 10 others brought back a frightened, unfavorable report about the dangers and the difficulties that awaited them if they tried to go forward into God's future. In the face of the challenges that lay ahead, their report concluded with what I think is a profoundly revealing statement about their own feelings of inadequacy. And Joe read this for us from Numbers 13, verse 33. And to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. You hear that? 
So their sense of their own capacity was very, very small. And as human beings often do, they projected how they felt about themselves onto other people and thought, the way I see myself is the way everyone else sees me too. Now you remember the names of the other ten spies. Right there, right on the tip of the tongue, right? Shemua, Shaphat, Egel, Palti, Gadil, Gadi, Emil, Sether, Nabi, and Gael. Famous leaders of yore. Why don't we remember these people? Every single one of them was a leader handpicked by Moses himself. Presumably for his faith, his influence, his skill, his leadership, his intelligence and courage. All of them. And they were concerned for the safety and well-being of the people that they led and for whom they felt responsible. And they hoped to preserve their people and their traditions and they felt the safest thing to do would just be to try to return to the past and keep on doing what they knew how to do. But there was no going back then, just like there's no going back now. What were they frightened of? Well, in a sense, they were frightened about going into a multicultural future with all kind of ites to compete with everywhere they looked. There were New Age Amalekites, fundamentalist Hittites, materialistic Jebusites, universalist Amorites, and postmodern Canaanites. Oh my! But the truth is there have always been and there always will be significant challenges in our lives, whatever our context, whatever the age. There will always be people who seem strange to us. There will be giant-sized problems. There will be cities with walls of issues to confront. And Caleb teaches us that they are to be faced with faith and courage and a willingness to risk. Pastor Larry Osborne offers this observation. He said, the most striking thing about highly effective leaders is how little they have in common. What one swears by, another warns against. But one trait stands out, the willingness to risk. You know, it can be easy for us to criticize these ten leaders for their lack of faith and courage and passion and boldness. But if someone were to write your life story or mine, would it reveal more of Shamua's spirit or Caleb's? Now, like many people today, Caleb enters God's service in midlife. He's 40 years old when he joins the team spying out the land. And I have to tell you, because I like Caleb, I've preached on this story, you know, more than once over the last 30 plus years. And it just struck me this time that when I first started preaching about Caleb, he was a lot older than I was. Now he's a kid. It's like, oh my gosh, where are the years gone, right? But he's 40 years old when he joins the team, and we're told that he brings back an honest report, an honest report. And sometimes you can fear speaking the truth about the opportunities and the threats that you face in your life just because it feels overwhelming. But we need to do it. We need to be honest about the, the threats we face. In his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins asserts that part of a leader's job is to help people confront the brutal facts of reality and to act on the implications. 
That's part of what we have to do in life, in any context in which we lead, in our family, in our home, relationships, where we work. We have to confront the brutal facts of reality, no matter how much we may not like them. And we need to act on the implications. And that's what Caleb does. Caleb's honest. He says, this is what we're up against. He doesn't sugarcoat reality. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't say there aren't giants in the land. He doesn't say there aren't walled cities. He says they're all there, but he's hopeful that with God's help, they can succeed. But unfortunately, his companions made the hearts of the people melt. We don't want to melt the hearts of other people. We don't want to rob other people of their courage, of their faith, right? And Caleb doesn't deny the threats and challenges, but his passion and faith were greater than his fears. And when you find yourself in the wilderness of life, when there is no going back to the way life was before and there are threats and challenges lying ahead, what is needed is passionate, committed faith. Lack of courage sabotages more people than lack of ability. I want to say that again. Lack of courage sabotages more people than lack of ability. Don't beat yourself before you start. Three times in Joshua chapter 14, we're told that Caleb is known for wholeheartedly following the Lord as God. But Caleb, to me, is a picture of a man of passion and enthusiasm. And Sharon, in her prayer this morning, prayed for teachers. And, you know, teaching is a very honorable and challenging profession. And God bless all the teachers and school staff returning and preparing to return to school once again in very challenging circumstances. Teachers have a hard job. But having said that, I will say, however, when I was in school, if a teacher wasn't enthusiastic about teaching me the subject of the class, then I wasn't either. Because I figured even as a kid, if this person who's spending their life doing this isn't enthusiastic and excited about it, why in the world should I be? Sometimes it didn't go over well, but that's just the way I felt. But enthusiasm is contagious, right? It's contagious. Jesus wants people who will follow him and serve him and love him wholeheartedly. That's why in Revelation chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16, Jesus says to the church, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's a Jesus verse you don't see in a lot of t-shirts. <laughs> you know? It's not the way we picture Jesus. What do you mean he's going to spit me out of his mouth? Well, it's a spiritual way of saying those not fired with enthusiasm will be fired with enthusiasm. You get it. British theologian John Henry Newsom wrote, Fear not that your life will come to an end, but that it will never have a beginning. Fear not that your life will come to an end, but that it will never have a beginning. Caleb wholeheartedly and passionately follows the Lord, not for a season, but for a lifetime. Caleb's now 85 years old, and after 45 years of journeying through the wilderness, he's still going strong. And he remains confident in God and in his ability. 
He is the epitome of the righteous older person described in Psalm 92 and verses 14 and 15. It says, in old age, they still produce fruit. Your parents were like this, Paul, as you know. Kathy and Craig, or Kathy and Dick were great examples of this. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Caleb and that psalmist understood the importance of finishing well. And there's a tremendous need for mature, experienced Christians to be mentoring younger people and sharing and modeling how to be a lifelong disciple of Jesus and what that looks like. When you need encouragement and confidence, when the challenges are real, the giants are big, the ites are all against you, you can remember that our God is with you to give you encouragement and confidence even in the most painful times of suffering and heartache and even death and loss. Dying on the cross, Jesus said of his work for the kingdom of heaven, it is finished. All of us have work to do in God's name and we need to run strong to the end and finish it. Americans may love winners, but God loves finishers. The Apostle Paul states at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I started by talking about the Summer Olympics, and I'll close with one more thought related to the games. And it is that I thought it was great that they were able to hold the competition but it was sad that the Japanese people and the family and friends of the athletes and fans from around the world couldn't pack the stadiums and venues with their presence and their energy to cheer their encouragement. Because athletes will often remark on how the energy of a crowd and the support of a crowd makes a difference. And in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 through 3, it picks up on that imagery to encourage you and me to finish our race of life well. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. If you're feeling tired or discouraged or ready to quit, Remember that God loves and honors those like Caleb and Jesus and Paul and many others who persevere and conquer and finish. And with God's help, you can too. It's not just how you start, but how you finish. And we all want to finish well. Please join me in a spirit of prayer as I share a prayer written by St. Augustine. God of our life, there are days when the burdens we carry chafe our shoulders and weigh us down. 
when the road seems dreary and endless, the skies gray and threatening, when our lives have no music in them and our hearts are lonely and our souls have lost their courage. Flood the path with light. Run our eyes to where the skies are full of promise. Tune our hearts to brave music. Give us the sense of comradeship with heroes and saints of every age. And so quicken our spirits that we may be able to encourage the souls of all who journey with us on the road of life. To your honor and glory we pray. Amen.